0: Teachers, you're listening to the thing that we do on Friday, or you're watching it. Uh, hopefully, you're just listening. If you're watching this, and you have to look at Brother Wing and I for this long. I just, I feel bad. You know, our podcast last week, Wing, was uh, over 50 minutes long.
1: 50 minutes? Yeah. That's really long. Do we, do we get paid by the minute? or? Yes. Yeah, we...
0: so, yeah. Yeah. The... <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna do extra long. I I have I see the clock right now. There is no way we are. This will not go over thirty minutes. I will I'll just hit stop, and in the middle of whatever we're talking about. So we we are gonna repent and be much more brief and concise this week. Right all right. So this week, teachers, we have uh is super weird. It is like scrambled eggs this week. We got we've got we're all over the place in math in Mark five. We're in Matthew nine. We're in Matthew ten. We're in Luke nine. We're in various verses in all those chapters, and so uh, you just on the pacing guide there. You just have to kind of uh, get a heads up on what's what's happening here, and and take a good look at it at the beginning of the week, and and figure it out. You got anything to say
1: about this this upcoming week, Brother Wing? Yeah. Well, we we say this every week, but this week I think especially needs it this is just a suggestion these <laughs> lessons like and so um you can teachers you can adapt things as you want to and especially here where you see like you know what i kind of like this half of the chapter that they didn't cover mm-hmm. i might just combine a couple of lessons here and then and then create a space to cover this half you know and yeah. i have a suggestion coming about that but anyway you look over the content teachers and you do, you've Figure out what you think is best for your students. Excellent. All right.
0: So let's start off the week in Mark 5. I like Mark. Mark sometimes gets a bad rap. Sometimes people think that he's kind of boring or I I like him. Maybe because I'm boring. Maybe that's what it might be. (laughs) Uh, So the first day we got Mark 5, 24 through 34. And then we got Matthew 9, uh, 20 and 22. Remember, teachers, when we set up scripture feasting, we want to we want to get our students uh, on the Sea of Galilee. We want to get them standing in Jerusalem. We want to we want to have them feel like they are in that spot, so that they can see uh, as they read the words of the scriptures. They can visualize uh, what it might be like and what might be happening. That way, uh, they might be able to receive greater insight and revelation when they do this. And so. Um, I gotta look back at the pacing guide again to see. So we got uh, Mark five starting in verse twenty four. Brother Wayne, why don't you start us off?
1: Yeah. So here, I mean, basically, Monday's lesson is about the woman with the issue of blood, and then Tuesday you're going to hit Jairus's daughter, and that's kind of yeah. how the they've broken it down here. Again, though, if you want to, if you want to like put these two together because they do, they are woven together. Yes. By Mark, and you feel like that might be the best way to teach these two. You could. You could combine them and take two days with both stories or together, or you could make some space for something else.
0: Yeah, I, I think I would combine them, combine the two just because, I mean, the the story of the woman with the issue of blood, it happens on the way, on Jesus's way to, to heal Jairus's daughter. So I guess you would start um,
1: in verse, what would that be? 21. 21, yeah. And, you know, part of the miraculous story here for Jairus, for Jairus, right, is the fact that he does, I mean, this is an urgent life and death situation, and now Jesus gets delayed yeah. by uh, this woman, and so that's part of the faith yeah. that's required on Jairus here, and so it's, it's a challenge, but obviously you'll see how Jesus helps him through it, but regardless, I think it's important as far as background goes, like you were saying, Brother Lawson, to take him to the place, you know, and let him know that, yeah, Jesus's popularity is quite strong at this point. He's had some, done some other miracles and people are, he's got his attention. So when he's, when Jairus comes and requests his help, there's a lot of people going, you know, there's, and so it's called a press of people. And that's then leads into the story with the woman. But if the students know, Um, they got the background here that there's a lot of people here. Then you've got the, and you might prep them to understand that because of the woman's issue, she is ritually unclean. Right. And apparently she would have also been seen as kind of spiritually unclean. Like it would have been kind of normal at that time to kind of consider her as like, well, you must've done something wrong. Right. And so, She's not just physically suffering and can't get relief from this terrible ordeal, but she's also um, socially ostracized in a way. And and um, she has to kind of like, she would have been looked down upon for being in a crowd, um, but that's what she has to do at this point um, to get healed. So you can kind of see the, the difficulty there. So if you prep the students by just telling them like, look, if there's a blood issue, then you're going to kind of have to take extra precautions around in, in groups. And -hmm. that's what this, this woman has. Um, And so as they go read through the story, if you say like, look, just start in verse 21, you're going to have two stories collide here. And so find out what you think and then find out, find out what you think about these two stories colliding. What does that teach you? And that might be a, a great scripture feasting for the students. If they go all the way from 21 to the end of the chapter,
0: Excellent. I like that. I think, I think so. Would you have them also on that day when they, when they read about that woman with the issue of blood in Mark five, would then you have them read the, um, hold on, let me, let me mute my phone for a second. Would you have them also, uh, look at that, uh, that same story in, um, in, where is it? Oh, in Matthew nine. Matthew nine. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, so you would give them those those verses in Mark, but you'd also give them the verses in Matthew so that they can could combine those two stories, get a full picture of that story. Because Matthew tells that story in uh of the one with the issue of blood in a little bit more detail than than Mark does. I think could be could be a benefit. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be and, helpful. Excellent. All right. So
1: um what would we do next then we've got March. yeah there might be a couple of points to make on this that you know as you i I mean it's fun to set up scripture feasting i kind of like it because when i with my students it's like okay now what's going to happen well we don't know always what's going to happen like are they going to finish reading and be like cool story brother wing let's go on (laughs) you know or are they going to have some insights I mean, it seems like if they always do actually feast that they're going to have something to say Mm -hmm. and whether they feel comfortable to say it or not, that's another, another issue. But, um, if they don't initially come up with a lot of insights or they don't seem affected by the content or they don't seem to learn anything, then there, there are some other ways that we can employ to help them to kind of catch things here. And so one of them might be that, why does Jesus stop, you know? Like, what did you notice about why he stopped? You know, and they might point out that he said that virtue had gone out of him. You might, might look at the footnote there for on 30A about virtue. Um, I also think it's pretty impressive in verse 31 where he says, who touched me? And we might point out to the students, like, why, why does Jesus ask questions? You know, does he not know? Like, do you really think that Jesus doesn't know who touched him? Right. Or does he, is it something else? And Sounds like it's something else, you know, because it's Jesus. And so there's, he's doing something. So who's he talking to when he says, who touched my clothes? Is he talking to the woman who touched him? Or is he talking to his disciples who are with him? You know, and it's possible that he's, he's teaching them, you know? And so this is what's, this is one of the impressive parts about this whole thing about how these two stories collide is that we learn here that Jesus is always present. Like he's, he is focused on the on what's at hand, and even though he's on his way to Jairus's daughter, here comes this other thing immediately, and he needs to take he takes note of it, um, and so he pauses from the Jairus thing to to focus on this woman, and then I think I mean this is maybe this is me reading in doing a little eisegesis here, maybe <laughs> I know you love Brother Lawson, I love that, but um he says. I mean, maybe he's telling the disciples, like, did, have you paid attention? Like you're in this throng of people, but have you paid attention to what's going on here? And, and you need to learn how to do this. You know, you need to pay attention to the people around you and not just rush about. And and do things. And so who touched my clothes? What do you think? It's almost like a quiz for the disciples. You know, I was like, oh, it was this woman over here, you know, or whatever. They didn't seem to catch that, but. Anyway, he, he casts his eyes about looks and finds her. She, she almost acts as if she's in trouble, which she's obviously not. But sometimes we feel that way. Like we might be in trouble with the church leader or do something, do something wrong. But when we've come with that, the kind of faith that she has, we get the results that she did. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, Go ahead. Well, no, I was just like, I like that he identifies, he tells her. Thy faith hath made thee whole. That's something that is said quite a bit of times in, in scripture. Um, and that might bring some uh, angst to a person that has a, a, a problem that they need to have resolved a physical ailment of some sort. And they're like, well, I've got faith. Why am I not whole? Uh, he may have been talking about her physical condition, but I think he was also talking about her spiritual condition. Your faith in Jesus Christ—that's what led you to repentance. That's the wholeness. Yeah, you've been suffering with this for twelve years, which is terrible. But you've been uh, forgiven of sin. You are—you're uh, in a great place. Go in peace. Um, obviously, having a physical ailment could cause some unrest, but having a spiritual uh, ailment for sure uh, causes unrest. And the Savior's words to go in peace there must have been relieving for
1: her, both spiritually and temporally. Yeah, that's a great, great insight. I think too, towards the end, when, I mean, when Jairus is comforted by Jesus, who says, be not afraid, only believe when they come to tell him, hey, your daughter's already dead, don't worry, Jesus yeah. anymore. That's got to be shocking to him. But then Jesus, those words have got to be comforting, which we might think of situations in our life when we need to hear that very same phrase, yeah. be not afraid, only believe. Then they get there, and Jesus is about to do something that is unimaginable—to like raise someone from the dead. You know, it's an unbelievable thing. So maybe He makes a statement first that's unbelievable to test who gets to be a part of this or who gets <laughs> to witness it, because He says to them, "Why make ye this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth." Everybody knows she's dead, right. including Jesus, but He says, "No, she's a He's she's just sleeping." So. And I'm like, why does he say that? And so maybe he's saying, look, this is just a temporary thing for her. And that's all he's saying, really. But it almost sounds like there's a little bit of a test here. Who gets to witness this? Well, right. the people who laughed him to scorn, they get put out, you know, and then it's just it's just those who are the believers who then get this, get to witness what he does, which is pretty amazing to raise her from the dead. Yeah. So there's a, I would ask my students first before explaining all that, I might say, why does he put them out? Or why does he say that she's just sleeping? What do you think, students? Let them talk about that for a minute and see if we can catch a principle here about about how faith leads to a witness.
0: Yeah. I think, um, what do you think about this? I had the uh, interesting thought as I was reading verse 35 and 36, I started thinking about the temple. And, uh, obviously this isn't a, this is just an example of, of how the scriptures can, you can receive revelation that isn't necessarily from the intent of the author. Um, but when the, when the apostles or whoever was there or the elders of the Jews, when they come and sit, tell Jairus, thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? Uh, consider, consider that from the perspective of work for the dead um we trouble the master for those who have gone on before us we we want to help them we want to be a part of them and so uh as jesus heard the word that was spoken he said unto the ruler of the synagogue be not afraid only believe i think i think there's some um as i was reading that for me i thought i was just thinking about temple work and Troubling the Master on behalf of those who are dead and bringing them back to a spiritual life, so to speak. So,
1: excellent. yeah, you can imagine Jesus saying, "I'm not troubled." <laughs> <You> yeah, <know? laughs> yeah. Um, That's this is what I do. <laughs> yeah, I think. Do you remember that talk from President Oegdorf? I got it pulled up here, where he says um, he talks about being busy. That we wear our busyness yeah. as a badge of honor. A badge of honor, yeah. And then he goes, "Is it?" And he says, I think of our Lord and exemplar, Jesus Christ, in his short life among the people of Galilee and Jerusalem. I have tried to imagine him bustling between meetings or multitasking to get a list of urgent things accomplished. I can't see it. Instead, (laughs) I see the compassionate and caring Son of God purposely living each day. When he interacted with those around him, they felt important and loved. He knew the infinite value of the people he met. He blessed them, ministered to them. He lifted them up, healed them. He gave them the precious gift of his time. And then, you know, it goes on, by the way, and your students might want to refer to this. This is, by the way, October 2012, General Conference, President Uchtdorf. But um, it goes on to talk about how we can pretend to be with people when we're not actually with them because we're on our phones and how technology can interfere there. And so there's a great our Jesus is our example of being present, living purposefully and and giving people the value uh, showing them their their value by us giving them our time so it's, it's a, there's a good application there for our students i love that excellent so the next day
0: we've got uh we've got matthew 9 well this is wednesday because we've done we did monday and tuesday matt uh, mark 5 um we covered all those right brother we yeah facing that all right so so Wednesday, we've got Matthew 9, just a few verses there, and then Matthew 10. This is kind of a, uh, I like to think of this as the first MTC uh, of this, of Jesus's dispensation here. And he's, he's getting his apostles trained up to, to go on missions. And so that naturally, I think, leads to, in, in chapter 10, a great scripture feasting activity. What can we learn from the Savior about sharing the gospel with others? Uh, and let them go in chapter ten and see what they'll learn. They'll learn a ton of stuff, uh, and so I think that's just a, a real practical way to to set up scripture feasting with with
1: chapter ten. What do you think? Yeah, I like that. And you know, another idea is just have them just start reading. You know, at the right there at the end of Matthew nine, and then go into Matthew ten, and then just kind of say, "Hey, how do you how do you see this going on today with the modern?" First Presidency and Quorum of the Twelve, you know, or what's a what's something that you learn from the work that they're they're involved in. And it may lead to a discussion about, you know, gaining a witness that they are prophets, seers and revelators. Um, That's where the manual kind of goes with it. And the manual even kind of offers a little self-evaluation of how you what you know and learn about the the Twelve Apostles and what their role is. And then in the supplementary material in the teacher manual, there's a great video by Elder Bednar. So it's 11 minutes long. If you were to Perfect. show this, if you're to show this at 6 a.m., um, <laughs> I guarantee it'll put them to sleep if they're not already asleep. But it's hey, an awesome. Elder Bednar probably listens to this uh podcast. <laughs> the <way>. I know. <laughs> they they did the video didn't like throw in a bunch of like visuals. It's just Elder Bednar sitting at his desk talking and he's got, it's, it's very soothing, you know, and so <laughs> that's a good way I'm, to say it. I'm setting this up. So what I'm saying is teachers do not just be like, here's a cool video and watch this and hit play. And then watch your students fall asleep. That would <laughs> not be the way to use this video, but instead you might say to your students, like, uh, okay, I want you to watch this video, maybe even just a segment of it and just say, I want you to identify something new that you learned about mm-hmm. the role of apostles. Or look, we just we just read Matthew ten. We we talked about a little bit about some things that we learn. Let's let's kind of learn from a modern apostle now about what they're doing, but um, but have them look for something specific: the role, what they learn that's new, how it connects with Matthew ten, or or even they could listen for a question that they have. Like you listen to Elder Bednar here, and I want you to think of. A question that's that uh, you have about modern apostles or something yeah. like
0: that i was thinking that um for this this is this is great training for these apostles who have this new calling that they've never heard of before um and i think it's applicable so there's it's applicable in a couple way to our students in that they can see what apostles do that i mean if if they read chapter 10 and they they really understand some of the some of these things that the saviors asked apostles to do that might make general conference more meaningful to them but i think there's other personal applications that apply to everyone uh relative to sharing the gospel if you said to your students if you could only choose one verse from matthew chapter 10 to put on your missionary plaque when you go on a mission what what verse would you choose and you know why did you choose that one um or if uh, what what verse would encourage you the most uh, in sharing the gospel? Which one might scare you the most in in uh in what the savior says to you? So, I think that your students can have a good time in in Matthew ten.
1: Anything anything else about that one? No, I really I that's a great idea. I love the the choose a verse for your mission or or even just your favorite phrase in there. It's yeah,
0: good. excellent. All right, um, we have. On the on the Thursday, we've got Luke 9, 24 through 26 and 57 through 62. So what is that? About a little less than 10
1: verses there. Get us going on this one, brother Wing. Okay, well, to get you going on this one, uh, this is my suggestion here of where you may want to adapt and adjust. So I looked through what the content is there for the those few verses in Luke in Luke 9. Yeah. Which is which is good stuff, right? About becoming a disciple and yeah. taking up your cross. I mean, there's you can you can build a lesson around those verses and the teacher manual has that. You look through it teachers, if you like that, you go with it. If you feel like that that's a good 10-minute lesson, then maybe before you go to that or after, you can do some more things in Matthew 9. Yeah. that weren't covered. The the focus was on the apostles the day before well, let's look at the content of Matthew 9 before, and I just have some quick suggestions. If you were to scripture feast at the beginning part of Matthew 9, so I, by the way, so be clear, I'm not in Luke 9, I'm in Matthew 9. Matthew 9, right. Yeah. Um, so the first part of Matthew 9 is a story that we've already covered about the, the man was sick with the palsy and they, they lower him down, that part, you know. What's interesting is in this account, in verse 8, it says, But when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto man. Isn't that cool? Like, that's Mm -hmm. a great, that's, you know, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify God. You know, like, that's the point of doing good things is so that they don't glorify you, that they glorify God. That's what Jesus just did. And the people are marveling because God has given this power to man. I mean, we can marvel that God has given power to prophets and apostles today. You know, we can marvel that we can get a priesthood blessing, that that power has been given and that we can receive that. I mean, like, that's a cool thing to think about and maybe have a discussion about. Later on, you get to verse 13. This is fun, Brother Loss, you're going to like this. Verse 13, he goes, he's talking about, you know, whether he's with the publicans and sinners and like, why does he, why does he hang out with publicans and sinners, you know? Yeah. And the, there's the, you know, I'm here for the physician or I'm the, the, the whole need not a physician, yeah. but they that are sick, that thing. Well, then the next verse says, verse 13, but go ye and learn. Okay. I'm going to pause there for a second. Um, The go ye and learn thing. That's cool. Just that phrase alone. Yeah. How do you, like, it's Jesus is going to tell them something that they need to figure go out. Study this. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, go ye and learn. That's that is what we're asking of our students sometimes. Mm-hmm. And that that's required of us too. like, we don't just, Hey, you explain it to me. And if you explain it well enough, I'll know. And if you don't explain it well enough, I won't ever know. No, that's not how it works. Like we learn by revelation. And so we'll be presented content sometimes that we don't understand, whether it's in stacker meeting or general conference or in our scripture study. And then we need to take that and go ye and learn. Like, you go do something with this so that you can learn by the Holy ghost. Cause otherwise you're not going to know it. Right. And so he says, go ye and learn what that meaneth. And then he makes this phrase, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. And so what does that even mean? Like it, the way that the King James seems to translate it, it doesn't seem like super clear on what that even means. If you're just reading that without any help. So right. it's kind of a mystery. This might be fun for your students. So they're like, can you just go and solve, work on this for like five minutes? Try to solve the mystery on what that means. Jesus said, go and learn it. So yeah, let's do a little- it. You know, go, go, tr- go try it out. And they'll, they'll notice there's a footnote that goes to Hosea where this was originally quoted. Very helpful to figure that out. Hosea 6, 6. But don't tell them that. Just say, just figure it out. Look at some footnotes. Just see what you can do and let them work on it and ponder it. And um. And come with it's by the way this this same phrase is quoted again uh later on in matthew i think it's chapter 12 verse seven yeah anyway there's more to it it's it's a cool phrase it's fun for the as a scripture study training right to kind of ponder on there's, it and think about it
0: it also has some overtones or undertones whatever tones of uh samuel right uh, obedience is greater than sacrifice so now we yeah. have mercy is greater than sacrifice obedience and mercy are greater than than sacrifice
1: That's yeah and good. the students might think of that and have that connection to draw upon to help them yeah okay then one more little idea actually two more um nine verse 15 at the end of it has a footnote B that leads you to a Joseph Smith translation and that is a juicy Joseph Smith translation which one? so it's it keys off of Matthew 9 15 footnote B then it takes you to the appendix which would be the JST of Matthew 9 18 to 21 and um, there again is another place where you could just say Man, this is a really good Joe, Joe Smith translation. And if you ever read the appendix or click on those footnotes to see what's there, most people don't. So, what is how does this add to our understanding? That could be enough for, for your students, possibly, <laughs> um, to, to dig into that. But it says, Then said the Pharisees unto him, Why will you not receive us with our baptism, seeing we keep the whole law? Which is a cool question, like five so logics. That's a great one. <laughs> like how would you respond to that? You know, and you, you might respond similar to way Jesus does because Jesus said, "Ye keep not the law. If you had kept if ye had kept the law, ye would have received me, for I am he who gave the law." Now and so that's, I think that's just great to then pause verse by verse and just say what does Jesus really mean there? What did he just teach? And let the students kind of think about that that um obedience to God's commandments is going to open us to the spirit of truth. You know, and we will then be able to recognize things cuz here's Jesus right in front of them and they don't recognize who he is. And yet if they had been obedient to God's law, they would have recognized right us. And um and so our choices to how we live our life and how we follow the for the strength of youth guide on how to make decisions that is going to have a direct impact on how we discern truth from error, and so, anyway, it goes on. But that's a good one. Another good scripture well, step- do,
0: Let me just say right now, like that JST, it's, it's seemingly impossible to understand why Jesus goes from the question about, you know, how come you you guys don't fast, to his answer of no man puteth a piece of new cloth upon an old garment. The JST there, I think makes the connection between those this conversation that's that's happening so that's a good one to point out to your students
1: yeah yeah really cool and then okay so one more this last one of the matthew 9 stuff that is just really good you might want to spend a whole day if you create a day by combining lessons this would be a way this would be one way to do it but when you look at verse 27 and 28 um two blind men come And they want to be healed. And Jesus says to them, believe ye that I am able to do this. You know, and they said, yay, Lord. So again, you'd be just kind of, why did he, why would he ask that? You Mm -hmm. know, why is he going to ask their belief first? So this is another theme. That's like a theme of the book of Mormon where there's someone states the desire that they have, but then the next thing is not the, the the Lord doesn't give them their desire. He first kind of gives them a little interview and asks about their belief. I mean, Nephi got it. Nephi wanted to see Lehi's dream, and he says, "What desirest thou?" And he's like, "To see what things that my father saw." And then he and then he says, "Do you believe that he saw?" And so, belief is always required. That seems to be a theme throughout this week: is that believing is seeing. Yeah. And this is ah, another that's defense. a good connection. Well, so there it is.
0: Yeah. But then these blind guys, I mean, he it says he straightly charged them saying, you know, don't don't tell anybody this. Uh, Straightly charged them means if you look at that footnote, he sternly warned them. But what are I mean, what are these guys supposed to do? How is it? How are people going to not know it? Do they have to pretend like they're blind? (laughs) You know, (laughs) anyway, but I did wonder. I'm like, well, you know, he sternly warned them saying, see that no man know it. I wonder what additional blessings would have come from them. I mean these are faithful guys. They had their healing rest- or their vision restored. I wonder what else uh was headed their way if they could keep um uh, the the commandments of the savior. So the savior is merciful. I mean he's going to heal these guys and he's going to give he he knows pr- probably that they're not going to to do what he asked them to do, but um I think that the Lord works with us that way. He he blesses us even though he knows we're going to be dumb at times a little bit
1: later. So yeah. Yeah, but if we can be a little restrained and let the Holy Spirit guide how we right. share spiritual experiences, we're going to get more spiritual yeah.
0: experiences. Exactly. I also like later on in that chapter um verse 35. I think this this is just um oh probably verse 34 to the I think this is just one of those things we hear. We can just ponder and think about the implied teachings of Jesus Christ here, of his attributes, coming to know who he is. You get the Pharisees who are saying, who are trying to explain him away. They're like, well, he must be, he has a devil in him. And so that's how he's able to cast out devils. He's like the master devil. And so he's able to control the devils. So you can see them settling on that uh, ridiculous uh, thought, right? You hear the same types of things people bring up about um, Joseph Smith or or even President Nelson, just silly things about uh, about them not knowing who they really are. But I like in verse 35 where it says, Jesus went about all the cities and villages. So just picture that, all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues with an S, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. This is remarkable. This in verse 35. I just think probably could have been another gospel written here just in verse 35. Can you imagine the, how cool it would be to hear the stories of all the cities and all the villages of every sickness and every disease. Nobody nobody's going to get left out of that i mean if, if he comes to willard missouri and is doing that nobody's going to be like well i've got you know dancing with the stars is on later tonight or i could go get healed by jesus everybody is going to come out for that right so um this must have been just a remarkable a remarkable time so and, uh, and then it's go ahead if,
1: if uh matthew had mormon's way of writing he would this is where he would have said one of those I could not contain a hundred right. part of the... right <laughs> exactly yeah. exactly anyway, excellent. um,
0: anything else in there roaming we're, we're no now the, now we're we at can... the thirty minute mark by the way,
1: oh, okay, so, <laughs> hey, I'm just trying to pat our I've hey, actually
0: there. stopped recording a long time ago <laughs> <Yes.
1: Good. laughs> sorry, I broke your promise. my bad, everybody, <laughs> but if now we can go to the end of Luke nine where um or that part of part those verses in Luke 9 where it talks about becoming a disciple and you can kind of go over this content with your students see what the teacher manual has they have actually Mm -hmm. a decent handout there that might be useful for your students to consider
0: right excellent
1: last day is doctoral mastery day
0: um doctoral mastery review day uh the third review Uh, You'll don't worry. You'll start the next week with a doctoral mastery in Matthew 11. So that'll be that'll be good. All right. Well, Brother Wing, any last thoughts, words?
1: No, just keep helping those students uh, feast and figure it out for themselves. The point is that they learn how to discover things on their own. We're there to guide them and train them and help them, but give them a chance to learn on their own first.
0: This is the time of year that um, students and parents and even some teachers might be tempted to think about the purpose of seminary being to get credit for seminary. Try to push that thought out of your mind and remember that the purpose of seminary uh, is to uh, deepen our conversion to the gospel of Jesus Christ and we're helping our students uh, learn how to learn for themselves from the scriptures. Seminary is not their the end all of their personal scripture study we want them to be having experiences with the holy ghost with the scriptures on their own uh outside of our classes so all right teachers thanks for tuning in we're getting better this one wasn't as long as last one but uh uh, we'll get better as as time goes on or as time gets shorter anyway we love you guys, everybody stay righteous